Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. The Prophet's Dawa Methodology, Part 2. This is a second part of a series of articles that deals with the methodology and approach adopted by Prophet Muhammad. Peace and blessings be upon him in inviting people to Islam. The first part focused primarily on the approach used in this study by Dr. Jamal Badawi and the significance of Dawah in Islam. In this part, Dr. Badawi will tackle some specific elements of Dawah in Islam, the Prophet's methodology in discharging this sublime duty. Uh, elements of uh, the Prophet's methodology in Dawah. The Prophet's methodology in Dawah combines a number of interrelated elements, faith, feelings, attitudes, ways of thinking, and the ability to assess various situations and respond to them. Given the interrelatedness and interdependence of such elements, any attempt to classify them is only a matter of convenience in a presentation that is subject to improvement. Followings is one such an attempt. One, sincerity of intentions. The Prophet was not inviting people to fulfill his own worldly desires, nor to glorify his clan, tribe, or people. He was inviting people to submit to Almighty Allah and hence attain true peace and tranquility. He never asked for or expected any reward or recompense in any form uh, from any human. This is how the Quran described his mission. You, O Muhammad, ask no reward from them for this, it is only a reminder for all people. Yusuf, chapter 12, verse 104. In fact, Prophet Muhammad was the embodiment of the Quranic commands to him. Say, if I have asked you for any reward, you can keep it. It is Allah alone who will reward me. He is witness to everything. Saba, chapter 34, verse 47. Say, O Muhammad, I ask no reward from you for this, nor do I claim to be what I am not. This is only a warning to all people. In time, you will certainly come to know its truth. Saad, chapter 38, verses 86 to 88. Say, O Muhammad, I ask no reward from you for this, only the affection due to Ken. Ashura 42, 23. It is notable that the absence of any personal agenda for the Prophet's uh, da'wah is a common characteristic in the mission of uh, prophets before him, such as Noah, uh, Salih, uh, Lut, and Shu'ib. To genuine love and care for the invitees, the prophet deserves the title Prophet of Mercy. Uh, he was indeed the embodiment of universal mercy, and his is the mission of mercy. We sent you, O Muhammad, only as a mercy to the worlds. Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 107. It is noticed that such mercy is not meant for the world of humans only. The usage of the plural of world in this verse may be understood to refer as well to the other words such as the animal world, the world of plants, the ecological world, and the world of jinn. His concern and mercy reached such a level that Almighty Allah instructed him not to uh, overgrieve because of the insolence of the rejecters of faith. Then perhaps you, O Muhammad, are going to worry yourself to death over them if they do not believe in this message. Al-Kahf, chapter 18, verse 6. The Prophet's concern, goodwill, and love of people is beautifully expressed in the following hadith. Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, narrated, I heard Allah's messenger saying, My parable and the parable of the people is that of a man who kindled the fire. 
And when it illuminated what was around it, moths and other insects began to fall into the fire. The man tried to prevent them from falling into the fire, but they overpowered him and rushed into the fire. The prophet added, Now similarly I take hold of the knots of your waist, built to prevent you from falling into the fire, but you insist on falling into it. Al-Bukhari It would have been enough for the prophet to stand aside and warn people, and then let them face the consequences of refusing to heed his warning. He does not stop at that, but is trying earnestly, earnestly to pull them away from the fire. Yet the parable implies that he cannot save everyone from the fire, so he tries to save as many persons as possible. This is surely an act of love and genuine concern, even for those who reject him. A frequently recurring question is whether it is permissible for the Muslim to love a person who rejects the call of Islam. A frequently recurring question is whether it is permissible for the Muslim to love a person who rejects the call of Islam. This question may result from the lack of distinction between loving the act of rejection of faith and loving the person or other reasons. According to the Quran, Al-Ma'idah 5.5, it is permissible for a Muslim to marry a chaste believing woman from among the people of the book who did not accept the invitation to Islam. Is the Muslim allowed to love her? The answer is in the Quran. And of his signs is that he created for you from yourselves mates that you may find tranquility in them and he placed between you affection and mercy. A room. Chapter 30, verse 21. There is no indication in this verse that spouse means only a Muslim spouse to the exclusion of a wife from among the people of the book. Likewise, there is no dispute that the Prophet loved his uncle Abu Talib and tried to help him accept Islam until he breathed his last. In both cases, love is not directed at rejecting of Islam, but at good human qualities. This issue is significant in the matter of Dawa. It is that type of universal love and concern for humanity that enable the Prophet to respond kindly but not in kind to his abusers, especially those who were victims of false propaganda against him. One such noble example is when Abu Huraira came to him crying after he heard his own mother, an idolatress at the time, verbally abusing the Prophet after Abu Huraira invited her to Islam. Abu Huraira then asked the Prophet to pray for her guidance. Instead of invoking a curse on her, or rebuking Abu Huraira for his request, the Prophet said, O oh Allah, guide Abu Huraira's mother. Shortly afterwards, uh, Abu Huraira came back crying, this time with happiness, not grief. His mother decided to accept Islam on her own, Al-Mundri. It should be noted that the Prophet seldom invoked a curse on his abusers, and rare exceptions to that were in the context of cold-blooded and brutal murderers, such as those who killed the memorizers of the Quran. Otherwise, he neither initiated invoking a curse, nor did he even when requested by others to do so. Abu Huraira narrated that At-Tufail and his companions came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, the people of Daus have rejected Islam, so invoke prayers against them. The Prophet prayed in a state, O Allah, guide the people of Daus and bring them to Islam, Al-Mundri. Similar acts of mercy and concern were shown by the Prophet in response to the insults and harassment by the people of life, such acts did not stem from weakness as he showed the same character at a moment of a great victory and power when he finally entered Mecca. Alhamdulillah.